Welcome to the Rep It Up Podcast, where fitness philosophy meets up with sales strategy. And now your host, award-winning trainer and sales strategist, Corey Angelin. Welcome to the Rep It Up Podcast. I am your host, Corey Angelin. So excited today because today, and, and standing ovation, I love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But today is the first of a four-part series that I am so passionate about, and it's from athlete to entrepreneur. So obviously, you know we're going to talk to some athletes and entrepreneurs today. And you guys are the first guests up of this month, which I love. That's right. So let me start with the, with the better half here. So, so let, me, let me tick through some, some really good stuff here. Olympic heptathlete, fitness innovator, and owner of the Slay Gym and Challenge, which we'll talk about, Louise Hazel. How's it going? Ooh, I'm good, thank you. How are you, Corey? And great. And just so you know, Eric sent me over some bio for you, and it said fitness expert. And I said, you know what? She's a fitness innovator. So I changed it to innovator. I hope that's okay. Wow. Oh, I like that. That's ah, I like that. I, really like that. I, got, I got you back. And then last but not least, of course, uh, truth be told, my good friend as well, former basketball player for the University of Southern California, fitness consultant and director of training of the Slay Gym, which is what today is all about. Eric Strangis. How's it going, buddy? Yes. Not as, not as much of an applause. So hard-hitting questions first, guys. Louise, fa- uh, favorite book, favorite movie? Ooh, favorite Don't say Titanic or anything like that. I, Witches by Roald Dahl. Oh. So it's a children's book. And um, it's one of those books that you kind of have in your family and it kind of gets passed down. Um, that would be my favorite book. Favorite movie, Seven. Wow, wasn't expecting that. Pretty I dark. That oh, what do you mean, Seven at the end when the head is in the box? Let's, geez. That's a holiday oh watch. Gosh, so wow, okay. Um, and, and Eric, favorite book, favorite movie? Uh, favorite book, I'm going to go with Untethered Soul, which I'm kind of going wow. for a second time, a little bit deeper there. And then my favorite movie, I would say, is Ocean's Eleven. Oh, all right, all right. you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I watch it, <clears throat> and I couldn't stop laughing. Without me. Without you, also, yeah. Also Brad Pitt, though. So yeah. maybe also something. Brad Pitt, there you go. All right, I, I, hear that. I hear that. My favorite book is The Secret, all about positivity in life, okay. laws of attraction. And then my, my favorite movie is Pumping Iron. I mean... The mecca of bodybuilding, the beginning with Arnold Schwarzenegger, literally the story of how bodybuilding started in America. So, so there you go. Hard-hitting questions on the Repita podcast. There's a lot of great stuff in there. You got, you got, I still have the DVD, so that I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, so last question, who's the better athlete? Both of you raised your hand. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Louise's, but, but okay. Um, yeah. Time. absolutely tell me the story i I always thought i'd be you know one of the better athletes in the room and so this was no different when you know louise and i first met so we were out one day getting a little workout in and i thought to myself well i think it's time to race well no decision on my part she's a a young woman i'm a little bit of a younger man than she is (laughs) pulled a hamstring she blew me away it wasn't even close last time ever challenge an olympian to a foot race yeah, yeah I, it's an olympian always an olympian and that's how we're gonna start so eric that's like a perfect segue because you know it the theme is from athlete to entrepreneur so i would love to get 
a little background on on Louise, how you how you ended up at the Olympics, what that journey was like, and then I'll ask two great questions at the end of that, and then we'll kind of get Eric's story as well. Um, how I ended up at the Olympics? Well, it was a good, let's say, seventeen year journey. Wow! I started track and field when I was just ten years old. If you haven't, you know, understood by now, I'm from the UK. I'm British. Um, so I started training as a young, young athlete. I was naturally very talented, very fast and extremely sporty. So I was doing multiple events, multiple sports at, at that time. Um, English sports like hockey, field hockey, netball, which is a female version of basketball, which Eric find, finds is hilarious. Um, rounders, which is like your softball um football everything everything under the sun and so when i finally made it to an athletics track my natural abilities were speed um you know agility and just the ability to pick up skills very very quickly um so i started off as a sprinter and then um that quickly progressed into multi-events um as i changed clubs and as i had more of a, a formative kind of coaching structure in place um, I began my life as a pentathlete which was originally five events before taking on at the age of 17 as you do the heptathlon which is the additional two events so the events for those people who don't know at home um, it's high jump long jump shot put javelin 800 meters 200 meters and the sprint hurdles all track and field events no shooting no swimming no archery sometimes people get that confused sure. <laughs> like the modern pentathlon um, and I knew literally from the age of around about 10, 11, that my destiny was, was being a sportswoman. And I don't know whether you have the same thing over here when they ask you at school, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we had these computer tests where you fill out all of the things, all of your interests, all of the things that you're interested in. And the computer pumps out this, you know, this piece of paper that says you're going to be an engineer. And there was just <laughs> really like that for what, what I wanted to do. The only name for it was I wanted to be a sportswoman. And, um, you know, I, I followed my heart and my passion diligently with commitment and drive over the years. And you know, I eventually made it. And, you know, that was by far one of the best moments of my career was standing on the track in, in London, home Olympic Games, um, representing my country for, for the first time ever. So that's great, because I was going to say greatest success. I'm assuming that was like that standalone moment. But the follow-up to that would be, what has been throughout that journey, one defining moment that either, either you were like, wow, okay, like this now I'm defined as this, or, or even like what led you then, what was the one defining moment throughout your career that sort of had you think about crossing over as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think the defining moment for me as an athlete was losing my father. Um, back in, in 2008. And that year was the Olympic year. So this would have been my first ever attempt to get to the Olympic Games and it didn't happen. Um, it was like the rug was pulled from beneath my feet and I had to rebuild myself from scratch. And then within two years, um, I actually built myself back up to win the Commonwealth Games, which was something that I didn't ever feel was gonna be for me or on paper. And it wasn't until that year came round that I was like, that's my medal, that's my goal, that's my thing. And at the time there were five girls ahead of me on the day, even when I turned up on paper that were better, but I knew in my heart of hearts that that competition was mine to, to lose. Where, where's that gold medal now? It's on the shelf. 
Let me bring it out. <laughs> I was hoping you'd wear it. Hold the floor. Hold the floor. We have it here. Like have I still have the trophy when I went homecoming king in 12th grade. Like that's, that's on my son's dresser just to remind him. That's a good trophy. I don't usually have this to hand, but in our apartment, we kind of built this um, kind of achievements wall. And Eric was really embarrassed because there are um, big like basketball trophies. And then there's my medal kind of perch. That's awesome. There. And this is from the 2010 Commonwealth Games in Delhi. That's where I won the Hexathlon gold. That is fantastic. Um, and then he felt really embarrassed because he was like, oh, there's all of the, like, you know, my whatever kind of medals they are. I don't even know what trophies they <laughs> are. I told okay. you, I thought I was going to be one of the better athletes in my family. And then she comes around, puts her gold medal up there, kind of tucked away in a box. Sure puts my, my trophies on the top shelf. And I'm like, what are we doing? I think something's mixed up. But it's funny, the first time she showed it to me, she put it on and you could see that pride come back almost instantaneously. And all those memories come back because of the nostalgia of having that medal in hand. So it's pretty cool to see, I think, from the outside looking in, kind of that history of being an athlete and what that can do when you think about the journey that you've been on. So it's pretty special. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. So then Eric, speaking of, of the journey. I know a really passionate basketball player. I, I've known you for a while. I know you still coach. Um, what was the defining moment for you throughout your career? And then, and then what led you two together? And then we'll start talking about the, the sleigh journey. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it's pretty funny listening to her story. Mine is somewhat different, um, but I think that the determination is very similar. I started in college at a small school playing ball. Um, I tore my shoulder my senior year of high school, and that really impacted the recruiting that I had. And I got a letter that I had written to myself in middle school. Wow. It was sent out by my middle school English teacher to us once we graduated from high school. And when it came in the mail, I was actually a freshman in college at that small school playing ball. And it talk, I was talking to myself about what my dreams and aspirations were. And they were always to play at a, a major university. And I knew I had more to give. And so I made the decision to transfer. And I uh, walked on the basketball program so I got into the school as a student um, and my buddy worked as an athletic medicine trainer for the basketball program and used to sneak me into the gym wow. and so we used to shoot around after the workouts of the for the team were done for that day and as I started to go in more and more I met the coaches a couple of times and they said oh you know we're gonna have a walk-on trial well that never happened yeah and then they said oh you know uh, if maybe next year. And then one day after all their workouts were done, I was in the gym because I decided I had made, made the decision that I was going to find a way to make that team. All the coaches were playing pickup and they needed one more guy. Well, I was the 10th guy who happened to be in the arena that day. And so I got to play with the guys. And after the game, they're like, Hey, you're actually all right. You know, how many years do you have left? All this different stuff. Um, and so they invited me to a workout and that workout led to two and that led to, well, maybe you can be a practice player. And then that led to, uh, well, maybe you can suit up for a couple home games your senior year. And then that led to, well, maybe you can suit up for all the home games this year, but we don't have a spot on the travel roster. And then it led to, oh, no, man, you're on the team all the way. I don't know what you're talking about. And then eventually I ended up starting multiple games my senior year as a walk-on. So fantastic. That was the, the journey was getting everything I could out of the talent yep. and just having that determination to stick with something because it was my dream. And, and do, you wanna, do you want to grab your medal or no? Uh, yeah, it's in my head. Okay. <laughs> I can drive. Sorry. Right. Um, so, so 
Luis, talk to me about the concept for Slay. What, when did it come to you? What's the mission of it? Because um, you're doing some fantastic things now as, as an entrepreneur now, having had a really stellar, obviously, athletic career. Thank you. Um, well, the, the business actually kind of grew back in 2013, and it was formerly called Podium Effect. And this was after my Olympic career. I decided to hang up my spikes at the tender age of 27. Wow. Which is early for a retirement. And I knew at that time I was working a lot in television. I'd moved down to London um, from our base, our Olympic training base in Birmingham. And I was doing a lot more entertainment. And I knew that there was, it was this was before on-demand training was even ever a thing. And one of my friends actually who shot me for a, show, a shoot for GQ magazine said to me, you know what, the future is going to be an on-demand and streaming. You should, you know, shoot a series of workouts and put them on, you know, a platform, YouTube or whatever, and um, pop them up there and away you go. That should be your business going forward. So I launched the first ever 360-day training plan called the Podium Effect online. And I had one woman complete it. Wow. So 160 days and it was subscription based and it was very early doors you could only access it via my website which I built by hand myself um, fast forward gosh what are we 2020 and we did the same thing for the first time with Slay um, I built the online Slay challenge again taking women through a um, 12 month journey um, we started I think our online plan in uh, February so it was just before COVID yeah. Um, and that online training plan, we started with 110 women worldwide from wow. all over um, India, um, Amsterdam, Germany, you know, London, obviously the US as well, Canada. And um, 22 of the original 110 um, are completing their one wow. goal of 500th workout. And we're going into our last month of 2020 and their 12th plan back to back. And yes. so I had this vision. I knew that women had it in them if they were just given the tools to engage in sustainable and long-term training. Yeah, that's fantastic. So speaking then of, so Eric, you oversee the, your, the training aspect of it, right? One of the, yeah. one, one, one of the cogs in the wheel there. Um, how do you manage all that? Like, and, and then what, <clears throat> what, what type of training would you say it was or it is since it's, it covers the entire year, right? Yeah. Combination of cardio, mostly hit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think ultimately I'm just a great assistant coach. My job <laughs> is really go in there and assist with some of the programming and make yeah. sure that everything we're doing from a science background is tight, that it's progressive, um, and that we're really executing the vision. So I think it, the, the title is director of training, but I kind of help out on a bunch of different aspects of the business. But like she said, it's just been uh, taking people on a journey from day one to where they are today. And we were talking about how so many programs introduce different fitness concepts, oftentimes too early, and people don't necessarily have the foundational movements um, or the, you know, the structural foundation to be able to do some of those things so that they look a little bit flashy, but they're not always successful. And a lot of times it's hard for people to adhere or stay consistent with an at-home program because number one, they're by themselves a lot of the time, but number two, some of the exercises that they're doing can lead to pain or injuries um, or different things that they run into. And so we were talking about that today, about how the progressive strategy has been so important, but not only that, the community has been so important. And she talked about those women who have been together since the beginning, 
but I think it's also the community that's been able to keep them going throughout it all. Um, and so I think that's been a really, really special thing. Yeah, Luis, who stands out to you and, and just like a story that, that sticks with you and their journey having gone through the workouts for, whether it's for a month or a year, Who's that like that one person that sticks out? And you don't have to mention them by name, of course, but like what stays with you? What, what, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, who's like that inspirational moment where you're like, you know what, I'm glad I did this? Um, you know, we recently just uh, launched a series called Slay Introduces. And one of our standout stars is, uh, goes by the name of Eva. She knows who she is. Um, and she's one of our slave sisters and athletes that shows up and checks in every single day, motivates the group, says it's day 10 today, it's day 11, check. Every single day she goes through the same routine, the same habits, and she prides herself on being the person that says, uh, does what she says she's going to do. And for me, she's one of the strongest leaders in the group. You know, we have girls who, um, you know, will come back to the training program after a break, which is a really, really hard thing to do. Yeah. I know we have another member, um, Linda, who shows up time and time again. That's our front doorbell. Um, you know, and she's always there whenever we have our group chats with her cat in hand and wanting to learn more about fitness and wanting to learn um, and get just that much more out of their journey. And so there are so many women that had I not have done the online challenge, which is, you know, effectively the thing that's kept the gym up and thriving during this time when everything's being locked down and shut down, then, um, you know, then I wouldn't have met so many incredible people, have been inspired to continue, um, you know, innovating in the name of women's fitness. And one of the things actually Eric was touching on upon earlier was the fact that, you know, from my background in Olympic training, uh, the plan is very much based on that. You know, the idea that we're not looking to make massive, massive jumps every single day. That's not how you become an Olympian over 17 years. The way you get there is by small increments, consistently um, amounting to that final Olympic performance. And we hope that in the future that we can um, bring the Olympics to people's homes. And I won't tell you what that looks like just yet. <laughs> I like that the little tease there. Um, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, so, so Eric, when, when you look at the platform now, obviously with COVID, I mean, just everyone, I mean, on demand is so hot right now that, and just to give people an idea, then you have the Slay gym, right, Eric? And then you have the on, on demand platform, which includes the challenge, right? So, if, so if I was going to, if I wanted to, you know, or, or if someone wanted to log on, take me through that. How does that work? What happens? Like your gym's closed now, but you can go there and do the workout, correct? Yeah, for sure. So right now, so the online platform, you, you mentioned it, it's 12 different stages right now. We just launched this 12th stage nice. and each one is 21 days in duration. So basically you have a window of opportunity to sign up for the upcoming stage because it all starts on the same date. So whether you're joining for stage one or whether you've been one of those ladies who started at the beginning of the year and are now in stage 12, you're all going to be starting your 21 day slay at the same point. And then you'll go through a customized program that's progressive in nature. It has different tools and equipment that start to appear starting on stage three. And those things become more uh, progressively loaded as the stages go on. Nice. And do those, you use those nine or 10 days, obviously, to sign up because everyone can then sign up and start on the same day. Are there rest days built into that too? So it's 21 days of, of, right, of exercise and then there's rest days. 
So just like my own Olympic training schedule, Sundays are always rest days. Nice. And, um, you know, we, we break it up. I never, ever did when I was, you know, training leg day, arm day, ab yeah, day. Yeah. Total body every single day for our conditioning because we were total body athletes. And so for me, that was the one thing that I felt like I was kind of compromising on. But I knew that, um, you know, giving people training uh, plans that enabled them to focus on um, certain body parts, you know, leg day, ab day, arm day, um, meant that we could do a periodized program that enabled them to get more rest and work for that six days consistently without, you know, over jamming the, you know, the central nervous system and without getting to that burnout. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that, I'm a big total body guy. I, I functional movements, full body. I mean, yeah, when I was 21, I was doing like chest all day long. Um, <laughs> but but I love those guys and, and girls that are in the gym and just doing one body part and their stomach is like, you know, they need to lose like 50 pounds because they're only doing one muscle group. And, and there's no progression and there's no regression if they hurt themselves. So I love that. As far as technology, how have you seen that grow from 2013 till now, right? So many different platforms. How'd you land on the platform you're using? It's humongous, the difference. Um, so I spent thousands upon thousands of pounds developing websites, um, developing and looking into my own apps and developing my own app and using software as a service. Um, we finally, in February, I decided to um, host everything that we have with regards to our Slay Challenge on Trainerize, which I think has been sure. interesting um, for personal trainers and clients it's very very extensive and it very much works two-way so as um, an owner you have a very extensive back end so you can offer multiple different types of training to your client you can offer virtual training you can offer, uh, obviously offer app-based training as well um, and also nutrition is also um, one of the functionalities on there and so really that's enabled us to get off the ground and running and the thing I think that's really stopped me from pushing the Slay Challenge and getting it up before was just that huge barrier to entry, that financial barrier to entry that you get with building and developing your own app. And so lots of other apps have popped up. So many, I get emails every single day of, you know, put your content on our platform. And my answer was always no. I want proprietary ownership as an owner and as a creator and as an innovator of my content. And, you know, there have been so many platforms, you know, promoting themselves and wanting to be the Netflix of fitness, when really the reality of it is they're just not there yet. Here and simply because I don't think that companies really understand nor value the value of intellectual property. And so now what we've seen with the introduction of um, companies like Peloton um, and more importantly, Peloton, because I think they've, you know, they've really blown up and gone through the roof in, in 2020. Yeah is the fact that the live workouts that you film as um, a paid Peloton trainer, you don't own. Yep. And can be used, I don't know what the contracts are, can be used for an indiscriminate amount of time in their fitness library. And, you know, I know, you know, regards, with regard to kind of reimbursement for that, that that type of thing would never fly for an Olympic contract would never be able to continually use um, the intellectual property that's brought to the table uh, without getting licensing fees for ongoing use. And so this is one of the things in the industry that I'll be looking at creating for future creators and people that, that use our platforms in the future. 
Yeah, no, I know exactly. I'm right about to launch an app. It's more on the sales side of fitness. So like, you know, I've been a great trainer my whole life, but like, if you can't sell training, like it's right, you don't even get to the trainer. And I went through the same thing rather than putting my stuff on another platform, I, I built it. And uh, so I, I feel the pain there and I love the concept of, of where you're taking it. So, you know, the biggest thing I'd love to know from both of you is, so what's one great piece of advice having crossed over from being an athlete? Because there's a million things you guys could have done, mm -hmm. right? And you stayed in, in fitness, which is awesome, right? Not only that, but it's cutting edge too. And, and there's a lot more plans for it. But what's that one piece of advice you would give someone right now who's, who has that? I mean, let's face it, athletes have drive. They have the motivation. But sometimes we don't go to school to learn how to like build an app or, or you know, open up a business. Um, so what's that piece of advice you would give someone uh, who wants to cross over into that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll start this time. I think the, the one thing that people want to remember is not trying to focus on what they want to be, but focusing on more what they want to see. And I think there's a big differentiator between those two things. I think a lot of times we all have this idea of who we want to become mm -hmm. um, and what we want it to look like when we get to the end. And we focus less upon the process of what it's going to take to get there and taking the time to observe the things that we're strong at or that we're weak at um, and taking lessons along the way as we succeed and fail about the things that we've seen actually work and maybe things that we need to work on. And I think a lot of times as, you know, as athletes and as entrepreneurs, you know, you can liken it to everyone wanting to be a champion. Yeah, I want to be a champion. Yeah. But what does it actually take to get there? And are you focused upon the steps and the process on the days where no one else is in the gym and no one's watching on the things that it actually takes? And can you be realistic about what you do well um, and what, you know, what your competitive advantage is and what are some things that you might be lacking and how do you fill those gaps and fill those voids? And are you going back and watching game film so that you can see the things that um, you've done in the past after a win and after a loss that you can continually improve? And I think that's ultimately the things that will get you to the end goal that you want to arrive at. Now, I'm, I'm going to admit that was a pretty good answer, Louise. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> but, I, but I'd still love to know your piece of advice as well even though that's a hard act to follow. I think there's two things. First of all, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't get to the Olympic Games overnight. And, and by the way, I think you're the only person that is allowed to even say that line. <laughs> I, it's true, right? If anyone's allowed to say that line, it's you. It's you. Absolutely. Um, you know, it took me 17 years of just blind faith before I actually got to stand up in the Olympic Stadium and run those races. And so it's the same with business. Um, you have to be in it to win it. You have to understand that you literally need to put one foot in front of the other every single day. And that requires a great deal of sustainability. So as an entrepreneur, my advice to future entrepreneurs is don't jump too soon. Have your part-time job or the thing that's the bread and butter money is paying the rent before you decide to jump into your first business because that first business for most entrepreneurs will fail. And that first business to, for me was, you know, the podium effect. And the second iteration of that is Slay. And I'm fortunate to be able to stay in long enough to be able to bring it round in a way that's much more, you know, it's much better and more marketable and is more hard hitting and is, um, you know, more of the moment. And the other thing to that is 
if there's one resounding thing from my career as a heptathlete, one of the things that I did well, one of the things that made me a success in 2010 compared to 2009, eight, and all the years before was the team that I built around me. It was the fact that I was in charge of, in fact, the first year ever, I was in charge of my own training plan. I pulled in the, the um, high jump coach. I pulled in the sprint training group. I ended up running, doing all my sprints with a group of boys. Um, I managed to pay my javelin coach just a small amount of money to come and visit me every week to teach me how to throw a spear. Um, you know, I would travel an hour a week just to go and learn the shot put with an amazing coach um, from the US just down the road. And so I looked at these people with the skills that I didn't have. And I was like, give it to me. How do I have what you have? How can you teach me what it is I need? And so now with regards to Slay, I look at the gym and I'm like, who's my gym partner? Who's the person yeah. that can meet me where I'm at? Who can I learn from the most? I look at the app and I'm like, okay, I love technology and I love designing websites. Doesn't mean I'm any good at it. Who's my app partner? Exactly. And, you know, going forward with regards to clothing and apparel, it would be the same thing. Who are the people around me that are going to help me get that gold medal again and so understanding that you're going to have to do a lot as an entrepreneur yourself and understand don't be afraid to get your hands dirty be resourceful um, and also don't try and spend too much money too soon see where you can get with um, just the bones and then the team is, is adding the meat and then the real investment is the seasoning love it how do people get a hold of your community at Slay? Give me everything. Website, hashtag, IG handle. I want to know it all. Go, go, go. Um, so if you're looking for gym training and virtual training, then head over to www.theslaygym.com. Um, if you are looking for a amazing group of women to train with and to work out from home then www.slaychallenge.com if you're looking for eric strangers on instagram because he's full of inspiration it is at eric i'm at louise hazel and also you'll find the slay gym um, is our instagram and also slay challenge is our instagram for the online challenge and don't forget if you're looking for lots of equipment to utilize yeah. in your slay challenge or just fresh garments then you'll find this over. Love that. Where's mine? I'm not wearing one. <laughs> we should have hit you up, Corey. We'll get it. We'll get it. Don't worry. Wicked. Well, I, I appreciate you guys hopping on. I, I mean, no pun intended, but you guys really did slay it today. First episode out of December of the four-part series, and you guys absolutely slayed it. So check out everyone at the Slay Gym and all of the, the handles that they just mentioned, which I'll post up in our YouTube channel and on a podcast. And looking forward to having you guys back. And last question. Louise, do you remember the first time you kicked the crap out of some guy in a race? Yes. It wasn't Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yes, yes, definitely right. the last time. <laughs> it might be the last time. I remember I was probably about six years old. That was when I, the first time I knew I had speed. It was at sports day. But yeah. Man, I love it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks Corey. Thanks for having us, man.